Prayer Profession of Faith, Belgic Confession, Article 37, only the first paragraph. Finally, we believe, according to God's word, that when the time appointed by the Lord is come, which is unknown to all creatures, and the number of the elect is complete, our Lord Jesus Christ will come from heaven bodily and visibly as he ascended with great glory and majesty to declare himself the judge of the living and the dead. He will burn this old world in fire and flame in order to cleanse it. Let us stand and sing, Beautiful Savior. After that, our collection is for the local church. Let us bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come together as your people, that we can give glory and praise to our Heavenly Father. We are your children. And we thank you, Lord, that we can be called your children. And that's only because of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you will lead us this evening through your word and spirit, that you will comfort your people, that you will comfort your people in the midst of all things. But also, Lord, we thank you for the assurance that you are in control, that not even a hair will fall from our head without your will. Be with us. Be with your church. We thank you that we could celebrate Father's Day today. We thank you for the fathers and the children. And we pray, Lord, that you will bless them and also the mothers, all parents, and all members of your congregation. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let us stand up. Book of Worship 457. Stand up, stand up. Let us stand up for Jesus. <laughs> I think we can't sit down with this song. <laughs> Rob will now lead us in a Bible reading. Two passages, Mark 13, verse 1 to 13, and Matthew 24, verse 1 to 14. Yeah, both these passages are <clears throat> verse 1 of chapter 24. Um, it's, it's entitled, Jesus foretells the destruction of the temple, and then in verse 3, the signs of the end of the age in both Bible readings this afternoon. Chapter 24 of Matthew. No. Yeah? No. Mark 13. Mark 13. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Verse 3, And 
As he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they, put, and when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say. But say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And then we turn to Matthew, chapter 24. The first, uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, first 14 verses. Chapter 24, Matthew. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See, that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all these are but the beginning of the birth pangs. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many, will, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, 
The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This is the word of the Lord. Topic this evening, when will be the end of all things? When will be the end of all things? Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' explanation about the end of all things. If you follow social media, you will see that there are more and more voices that proclaim that Jesus' return is imminent. They even put a date to Jesus' return. Some say 15 September. Someone rightly said, we don't know. And he quoted Matthew 24, verse 36, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. To ask this question about the end of times is a question that has been asked many times. This is a question that our Lord Jesus Christ answered in the Sermon on the Mount. In the next weeks, we will be busy, section by section, to understand what Jesus meant in the sermon. And most importantly, that it needs to be understood in the context that Jesus preached to this sermon to his disciples. So tonight, I will only preach and explain Mark 13, verse 4, the question that the disciples asked. Tell us when will these signs be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Apostle Paul taught that when Christ returns, he will punish those who do not know God, do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will punish the punishment, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints, to be marveled at all among who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. Second Thessalonians one verse eight to ten. We know that just before our Lord will come, his enemies will be condemned. They will become prey for the birds. But we will join him for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19. But what do we confess also about the question of Jesus' return? Belgian Confession, Article 37. Finally, we believe according to God's word, that when the time appointed by the Lord is come. And then the confession states clearly, which is unknown to all creatures, and the number of the elect is complete, our Lord Jesus Christ will come from heaven, bodily and visibly, as he ascended with great glory and majesty, to declare himself the judge of the living and the dead. He will burn this old world in fire and flame in order to cleanse it. 
Article 37 does not answer the question when Jesus will return. It only states that when the time appointed by the Lord is come, which is unknown to all creatures, and the number of the elect is complete, our Lord Jesus Christ will come from heaven, bodily and visibly. So, it's clear to state that we don't know the time and hour when Jesus will return. It's now two millenniums after Jesus was crucified, for our sins was risen, sent it to heaven, and then that he taught his disciples about the destruction of the temple and the end of times. We know that the temple was destructed, totally desolated. But our focus this evening, just on this question, tell us when all these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? To understand this question, we need to understand the background of this question as well. Mark 12 and Matthew 23. Jesus walked out of the temple to never return. This was Jesus' strongest rebuke against the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Religious leaders kept people from the kingdom of heaven by making human traditions, putting them under the law, and religious rules more important than God's word. This was seen in the way that they opposed and rejected Jesus, received Jesus as the Messiah and Son of God. And the Lord said that they stole from the widows and for pretense they made long prayers, and their long, falsely spiritual prayers were used to build a spiritual image, only for the sake of big donations. And because of that, Jesus lamented for the temple and Jerusalem. Their religious leaders, and in Luke 19, verse 41, we read that Jesus wept as he looked over the city of Jerusalem because he knew about the coming judgment. And then in Mark 13, verse 1 to 3, Jesus said to his disciples, And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? They will be left here. They will not be left here. One stone upon one another that will not be thrown down. Disciples were shocked. They were walking in silence with their thoughts until they reached the Mount of Olives which is opposite the temple. And here on the Mount of Olives, you probably had the best view of the temple. The Mount of Olives was on the east side of the temple, high enough to have a whole view of the temple. And if you consider that it was afternoon, that afternoon sun was shining on the temple, it must have been a beautiful sight. And Jesus and his disciples were sitting and resting. And then came the question which Jesus certainly expected. Peter, Andrew, John and James, Jesus' closest disciples, asked him privately, tell us when all these things will be. And what will be the sign when all those things are about to be accomplished? 
we need to listen close to this question. Very important to understand the question because this question is an introduction and a key to understand the Sermon on the Mount. What did the disciples ask exactly? They were asking about a time. When will these things be? And then they were asking for a sign. And what will be the sign? When all these things are about to be accomplished. Disciples were first asking about the timing of things. It was almost as, as if they could not mention, understand, and see in themselves the destruction of the temple. It was too terrible. And then they were asking for a sign. The Jews always asked for a sign. Many times that Jesus was asked for a sign. We also read in Matthew 16 verse 1 that the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus so they asked him to show them a miraculous sign from heaven. And Jesus admonished them in Matthew 12 verse 39. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. We know it was about Jesus' resurrection. And so the Apostle Paul also said that it was so typical for the Jew to ask for a sign. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 22, For Jews demand signs, and Greek, Greeks seek wisdom. And typical children of their time, disciples were asking for a sign as well. But we need to see that something happened with their question. The question became wider in their own perspective. First they asked when these things will be, and then they made a jump to the end of times, when all these things are about to be accomplished. Destruction of the temple was no isolated moment for them. They started first with a historical question, when all these things be, will all these things be? And then in the same question, they moved to an eschatological question. When will all things be accomplished? They're not only asking about the destruction of the temple, but also the end of the world. And it appears to be an innocent question. But with this question, they make many mistakes. And most important is their false presupposition and perception about time. Let me first explain that they had a spectator view or an objective view. They were terrified and shook about this prophecy. But they were also curious, wanted to know more about end of times, but only from a spectator's view. We're not asking about their task, their responsibility, and what the Lord expected from them. Later the Lord told them what they should do. Sometimes we're making the same mistakes as the disciples. They're asking about death, life, eternal life. But do we ask about our responsibility, especially to preach the gospel? We are also keen to discuss things in our times, concerned about the referendum, attacking our Christian schools, the attack on our morals. But do we ask about our responsibility in the light of all these things? Or do we leave it to the politicians 
the teachers, the others. What about our responsibility and the urgency to preach the gospel in the light of Christ's return? The number of electors, um, the uh, uh, Belgian Confession said, is completed. And so the second mistake that the disciples made was that they were jumping to the end of times. Esca, too logical. And the world, and their world, and the destruction of the temple automatically meant to them the end of the world. And with the end of the world, it was almost unthinkable in their minds that the world would still exist. And with the prophecy about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, they thought it was the end of the world. Sometimes we think that as well. The end of the USA, the end of the West will be the end of the world, the end of Western society, and the end of the reign in the US dollar will be the end of all things. And there are indications that the USA is losing its status as a world leader. Also with the establishment of the BRICS nations, it's also more than likely that the dollar will lose its value. Russia and China were becoming more prominent, stepping up to be the world leaders with the expansion all over the world. Will this be the end of the world? Disciples thought it would be the end of the world when the temple would be destroyed, and we know it was not. When Jesus died on the cross, disciples also thought that everything ended. Maybe Satan thought that as well. But we know that everything changed. That everything changed on that day. And that history did change. Because Jesus took with his death on the cross all our debts, all our sins, all our transgressions and sins upon himself. And even on the cross where the temptations of Satan and the world were as heavy as he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. He showed his love. Jesus was hated, mocked and killed. The most important, so that we could inherit eternal life. Could have eternal peace. He conquered death. He restored our relationship with God, so that we could become citizens of God. And God loved us. We've heard it this morning as well. He gave His Son as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be made righteous in Jesus, given a new life and a new heart. And this was all out of grace. And Jesus came to erect His kingdom on earth. He gave His Spirit. The gospel was preached. And it was now the time of the church. And the Lord heard our cries. And he sent his son. He sent his son to die for our sins. And there's only one way that leads to life, and this is Jesus and the message of the cross. We are sometimes spectators, like the disciples were. But God is not. God is in control of the times. And he determined the day we are born and the day we will die. He determines time. And he determines when Jesus will come again. 
and we don't know the hour or time. But we know we need to be ready. And we know our task is to proclaim the gospel, to speak out against injustice. We need to tell people to be on guard. And we know that we can't be spectators anymore. The day of the Lord will come. I want you to take note also of the Apostle Peter's sermon in 2 Peter 3. You're welcome to turn to that, 2 Peter 3. When Peter preached about the day of the Lord, remember that Peter was one of the original disciples who asked Jesus this question in Mark 13. Peter said in 2 Peter 3 verse 15, And count the patience of the Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Do not count the patience of the Lord for slowness. Slow, slowness. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. The truth is the Lord will keep his promise as certain as he kept his promise when he gave his son to die for us on the cross. And the Lord's promise is that Jesus will return as judge without any delay according to the Lord's timing. And any perceived delay from our perspective is due to the patience of God so that the gospel can be preached. And also the Lord who allows us as much time as possible to repent. And we know through the book of Revelation also that all the signs of the end of times is the Lord knocking on our hearts, giving time to repent. And 2 Peter 3 Peter revealed God's mercy. Jesus' return isn't sooner because all those who are elect should come to repentance. God is merciful. God is in control. And God's perspective about time is different from ours. He is giving time to repent. And Jesus will come when the number of the elect, those who the Lord determined, even before this earth was created, will be complete. According to Belgian Confession, Article 37, it's totally in the Lord's hands. And all things are equally near and present to God's view. The distance of a thousand years before the occurrence of an event is more than to him than would a day. There's neither past, present, nor future. The Lord is the I am in the past, the I am in the future. And if we say of God that He's everywhere, that He's always and He's everywhere in space, but we also know for certain He is the Almighty God. His word is true, and He will return. And if you understand God's time from His perspective, you will know, Second Peter 3 verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burnt up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. When Jesus does return, he will come at a time that surprised many. It's a thief in the night. And the result of his coming will be a transformation of this present world. The heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. And God 
could, it, could have um, destroyed the earth again as he did in the days of Noah. But he also revealed and promised to deal with this world with fire, according to Peter, not flooding, because the Lord is true to his promises. There's nothing to be afraid of. And that's what the Lord wanted to assure his disciples of. The Lord is in control. When you are in Jesus, we are waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises, the new heaven and the new earth in which God's righteousness, righteousness dwell. I want to conclude. Do not make the same mistakes as the disciples. But be ready, the Lord told us. Be on guard. Be busy with the work of the Lord. Proclaim the gospel and pray. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, your love, also your assurance that our Lord Jesus Christ will come on the day you appointed, on the day when the number of the elect is completed. And we know that you determined the times. And we know also, Lord, and you assured us that the gospel should be preached and you will bend hearts to faith. Lord, we pray for this day. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.